Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. I met this week with a young Irish pilgrim who had just returned from the Camino and she still had the Camino glow. We talked for 90 minutes, never met each other before. We could have talked until the sun went down because we're pilgrims. And this is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. Most pilgrims arrive at the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela. Indeed, this week, the 300,000th Compostela, or certificate, was issued. All those people walking, hoping they find some light at the end of the tunnel, some morsel of insight into why we're here, what it all means. Then again, maybe it's just the greatest indulgence of all to be able to switch off from life, from mobile phones, from emails, from the internet, from groceries, from responsibilities. I wonder, should we just wander? There's an old saying, one day your life will flash before your eyes. Make sure it's worth watching. My guest this week is Gabriella Forenzi. We're kind of kindred spirits. We were both authors in the first edition of the book, My Camino Walk. You can buy it online. It costs only costs a couple of dollars. I'm not talking to Gabriella today to sell books. I want to talk about a journey, her Camino journey. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hello, good morning, and good evening, good afternoon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, time zones, time zones. Everywhere's a crazy time zone when you live in Australia. That's, I mean, that's what it's all about. <laughs> right. You say you and your partner left busy London for the wilds of Spain and you weren't sure what to expect. What did you find? Well, it was a very, very interesting and very personal experience, I guess, that was really transformative in many, many ways. What did I find? It's really difficult to sum up in, in like one sentence. Um, we all went for, um, well, I guess for different reasons. We weren't quite sure why. We just wanted to get away from it all. And for me, one of my key takeaways, I guess, was, was learning to be a bit more spontaneous and just dealing with, you know, with not knowing what the next day will will hold and where we are going to end up sleeping. It was all very, very spontaneous, and I just learned to let go. Yeah, how, do you remember how you first learned about the Camino? Um, to be honest, I don't know. I think perhaps I heard about it uh, from one of our – well, actually, the very first time I heard about it – um, was visiting friends in Spain, and um, and we had some some time with them. Uh, we spent some time with them in Logroño, and I understand that Logroño is on the way. And and I remember this friend Elena talking to us about the Camino, but I wasn't particularly aware of it. I didn't pay too much attention to it. And then later on, a few years afterwards. Um, I heard about it probably from uh, from a coach of us, or um, yeah, and that's when I started to really look into it. What is this about? 
And, and I was like, gosh, this is exactly what we need just to get away from it all and not just, you know, a, a simple holiday, but something that is challenging for us at the same time. Cause we want to, we, we really like some, some alternative quirky ways to, to, to get away from it all. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's, that's the nutshell. <laughs> yeah. You say in, in your piece in the book, the 16 days was the longest break you'd ever taken from your business. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and I'm interested in what you do, because you're talking on the line from London, but clearly you're not British. Yes, that's right. I'm actually, uh, well, I, I was born in Hungary in a family with, uh, with a German heritage. So I speak German and Hungarian. And then I, uh, we moved over here to London about, about 10, 11 years ago now. And I've been teaching German and Hungarian. So that's my, that's my profession. That's my calling, actually. And, um, and I've been, uh, yeah, I set up a business. It's called Prolingua Global and it's a language training, language coaching company. And we work with executives in finance predominantly. So that's, that's who I am. That's what I do. It's all about languages, cultures colliding. A really interesting experience here in London. Yeah. And I'm going to get to that later because in a sense, you are trying to make the world a smaller place. And that's very, that's very much what pilgrims try to do. And on the Camino, you meet lots of different people. And the pilgrimage is sharing and learning and caring and listening and trying to make the world a smaller place. But before we get to that, it was the longest, the 16 days on the Camino was the longest time you had spent away from the business. How did it feel leaving all that responsibility behind? Well, for me, it was, it was much easier than for my husband. So I also happened to be involved in my husband's business. It's a hair and beauty salon with, with 10 to 12 people working in it here in London. It's a nice little local, local salon. And, um, and that was trickier to leave behind, uh, as opposed to me teaching my clients. Cause at that time, it was only me. Um, working as a teacher, as a freelancer. So my, my clients were very understanding and they were very supportive and they had no issues at all mm -hmm. having a break from German and Hungarian for a week <laughs> or two. But it's about, uh, it's about the other business where, um, where, you know, you, you do require some, uh, some management skills that will have to be, you know, just, just, just left and uh, and you have to kind of let go and allow your team allow your people to to look after the business but actually it turned out to be a pretty good experience for both me and my husband who who could really switch off a little bit and and know that the business was in safe hands indeed 16 days it was quite long so it was challenging in that aspect as well to to let go but I guess we accomplished, <laughs> we accomplished it. Yeah, but that's a very important point, and we'll get to that. because you, And you initially said at the very start of the interview, I learned to let go. Yes. And I think that it doesn't matter whether you're a business, whether you own a hair and beauty salon or you're, you, you run a, a business, a linguistics business, the Camino provides an opportunity to let go. So... Yes. Now I want to talk about preparation. 
tell my listeners about preparing for the Camino. This is very imp- important because you're a very organized person. I mean, and you were very, you were stepping right outside your comfort zone. Indeed, your husband, as you said, leaving his business. Had you done any physical training? Zero, Dan. It oh. was zero. <laughs> no. <laughs> Zero. And it was really, really challenging in that aspect as well. So we were quite, well, one could say that we were rather reckless. And, um, and yeah, I guess, I guess it's right. But somehow it's just, you know, we didn't have time. <laughs> we didn't have time to go shopping. And we literally bought our hiking boots, even the backpack, the day before we, we left. So it was absolutely crazy, but somehow we managed to pick the, the, the right backpack, the perfect shoes. So we had just one tiny little blister. Well, it wasn't me. It was my husband, but just one tiny little blister. So somehow we managed to pick the right sort of equipment, but not preparing for the journey was part of this you know, learning to, to let go and learning to be spontaneous. I love planning. You know, I'm half German, half Hungarian. We, we love to be organized. We love the rules. We love to plan ahead. And I didn't do anything this time. And it was part of the whole process of me challenging myself to let go again. <laughs> so it's, if you are, as you said, half Hungarian, half German, you are a planner, you are an organized person. Were you freaking out in the days before? I mean, you just told us that you bought your hiking gear the day before. Were you just like freaking out? Because you weren't sure, I'm, I'm certain at that stage that you were going to have this kind of realization on the Camino. Oh, I can let go. Everything's okay. I think I I wasn't freaking out, but I think what helped me is uh, this blissfully unaware of what's awaiting on the journey. I had like no idea. I didn't read much about it. Um, You know, I read about the spiritual aspect of it. I read uh, Paolo Coelho's book, but uh, I tried to... To, to go there really unbiased and see just very, you know, in a very natural way where this would take us. And probably that helped me not to freak out because if I had known what was awaiting there for us, then probably I would have, I would have freaked out, yes. <laughs> I think that's, it's interesting, you know, Gabriella, I've spoken to well, almost 95 people for this podcast over the last two years and some people say that the Camino called them and mm. and I've got a sense maybe that it was calling you and that's why you weren't so freaked out. Maybe you mm. had a sense that something was waiting for you. Yeah, I'm quite sure that's a, that's a, that's a, that's the right way to interpret the whole story, I guess. Yes, I never really thought about it that way but there is something about it certainly dan yeah 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 you know i have here some quotes from the book and again we're not talking about selling books but i just when i read your chapter of of 
I just loved it. And I thought, you know, the, the way you wrote it was so, so lovely because you kind of didn't take yourself too seriously. You were saying, you know, a couple of days in, what on earth have we got ourselves in for? You're saying third day on the way, you've walked about 50 kilometers and the pain was excruciating. What on earth did you expect if you were going to be walking 20, 25, 30 kilometers a day? I seriously have no idea. Seriously, have no idea. And um, yeah, and I, I'm not sure how we did it. To be honest, when we embarked on the journey, we weren't even sure if we would reach Santiago at all. We were like, you know, let's start walking and then let's see how long. We had no idea about our physical capabilities. You know, how long, like what sort of sections we would be able to walk uh, in one day. Absolutely no idea. So we just had to really learn along the way what we are capable of, uh, what our bodies can uh, can do, how far we can stretch ourselves, both physic both physically and mentally. So yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said both my husband and I are very protective of each other, our families, our belongings our values, our everything. We never really knew where we'd end up, how far we could go. It seemed impossible to tell in the morning where we'd spend the night, and even if we wouldn't let go of our shit, would we? So let me ask you a, a, a kind of general question, if you like, but we'll get a bit deeper later. How has it changed your life, that letting go? Yeah, that letting go is, um, yeah, that's a, we were talking about it with my husband just this morning as I was, you know, preparing mentally for this, for this interview with you. Um, so that particular section that you just quoted was about, there is this transportation, cheap transport, transportation service where, uh, there is a car who would come and collect your, um, your backpack, uh, from the albergue and then you would tell them where to bring it. And then they would just leave it for you there and you can just walk, you know, without the uh, the heavy burden on your shoulders. But then, you know, we figured that everything we've got in the backpack, that's all we that's all we are at the moment. We like uh, we can't let go of that, that that those are our basic, basic belongings. And so we decided to just carry it all the way. You know, it was quite heavy, but uh, yeah, but it was part of us and we just couldn't let go of that. But there are, and I'm not judging anyone who, who would take advantage of this transportation service because there is a point um, where, uh, where we need to learn to, to let go of that. And for us, we let go of, you know, of everything our uh, busy life was about for 16 days to just really clear our minds. But we didn't let go of our basic belongings. And that's just the way we approach this whole, um, this whole story. It was, uh, it was day three, indeed excruciating pain. And that's when we learned first about this transportation service and we were like oh maybe we should take advantage of that because we realized that all we were really looking at was the was the ground because 
our necks and our head was kind of naturally going down because of the burden on the shoulders. And we couldn't really admire the view. We couldn't really admire what's happening around us. But eventually we learned to, to, to be able to see what's around despite the burden and with the burden. And there is a point, I guess, in life when we need to know when we need to let go even of that, you know, basic uh, stuff. We, we managed to pull it through. <laughs> yeah, and the Camino, as we've said many times, and I know you would have thought it many times, is a metaphor for life. Some days are easier than others. And some days you feel like, I can't go on here carrying this burden. But when you kind of do, you you feel a fitness, don't you? A, a certain spiritual fitness for the journey ahead. And that's a great, exactly. fe- it's a great feeling, isn't it? Exactly, it is. And another interesting realization was about us as a couple. And that's a very personal experience that... You know, we worked, we walked it together and, uh, we never really separated, uh, for, for one day or for hours. So we walked it, uh, all the way from start to finish, uh, together. And then what we realized is that, you know, there were certain days when, um, when, when one of us was moving a bit faster, was more dynamic. And, uh, so the other one either had to slow down or had to, again, um, you know, speed up a little bit. And then, you know, on, um, again, on other days, it was vice versa. So it's just as a couple, there are times when we need to speed up or slow down in order to keep the pace and, and help each other. And that was another very interesting realization. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's another wonderful metaphor for life, Gabriella. What you just said then, as a couple, sometimes you need to speed up yeah. or slow down. Sometimes you need to even slow down to let the other catch up. And that's very that's much it. a part of a marriage, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's beautiful experience. Yeah, and a beautiful metaphor. In the book, you say, on one hand, we got used to it and learned to cope. On the other hand, we accepted it as being an inseparable part of our journey and started to really enjoy and appreciate the way. You say, to me, this was has two symbolic meanings. Life throws us at so many difficulties, and there are two possible ways to react. You can either learn to cope and accept them, learn from them, and get on with life, or you can find the point when you say, that's it, enough, and find a solution to overcome those difficulties by eliminating certain things from your life you can cope without. Both points are equally valid, and the way you take it is entirely down to you. No one can or should judge you. So I I highlighted that passage in the book and put a yellow sticky beside it because I wanted to ask you, are you still living that today? You've been back now a little while from the Camino. Do you still, in your day-to-day life, think, oh, I know what I learned on the Camino and I'm going to apply it today. Yeah, most certainly. I keep catching myself, you know, thinking about, oh, hang on. Actually, this is a point where, uh, where I need to, 
but I need to just, just leave it as it is and not overstress it. Um, there are certain points, um, both in business and in personal life, I guess, when, uh, when I get a little irritated and, um, and yeah, like this, um, this carrying the burden and having that backpack on you or whether you should have it or not get it transported. So that was for me the key, uh, the key realization that sometimes, you know, I have to cope with the difficulty. It's not about escaping from it. I just have to tackle it head on. Head on. Is that a way to say yeah. it? In yes, yes, it is. Yes, 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 yes. You have to tackle it head on. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then other times there are points when I just need to learn to, to, to walk away from it. It's not my problem I won't be able to solve it. So, yeah, I keep catching myself getting into these sorts of decisions mm. that, uh, yeah, that we learned on the Camino or that we faced in the Camino as well. Let me ask you a couple of questions, Gabriella. And I, I ask most of my guests, are you a spiritual person? Uh, spiritual, I would say, yes, I am, most certainly. Would you then say you were surprised by the transformation that occurred on the Camino? Um, was I surprised? Um, I guess I still was. Yes. Then, then let me ask you a separate. Let me ask you a separate question straight away before you think about it too much. Were you surprised to find that you needed transformation, or that there was transformation on offer? I guess, yeah, it's a really tricky question because there were certain expectations, but I was trying to, to, to get away from those expectations. And that's exactly why I went there or why we went there relatively unbiased. So I'm not sure what to say, to be honest. Um, the transformation was, I think it was much, much deeper than I expected much deeper. Do you remember when on the Camino or where you were that you had this light bulb moment? Something is happening here. Oh, to be honest, from the, from the get-go, we had so many interesting experiences and encounters that we were just constantly, constantly thinking and thinking, and we were kept on our toes. There were really interesting encounters with, um, with you know, um, situations where we were not sure shall we shall we do this or shall we not do this? Is this cheating or is this not cheating? Like constantly, were we were exposed uh, cheating in terms of you know. For example, the backpack or on one occasion, uh, it was really, um, late, because um, we started the, uh, each day a bit later than the usual pilgrim. So we would like start the journey around 10 or 11 a.m. as opposed to early mornings. And that would mean that, you know, we would get to the destination around 6 or 7 p.m. as opposed to 2 to 3, which again is the usual pilgrims, uh, yeah. routine so on one occasion we uh we were faced with uh with sunsets uh coming up and um 
and we knew that we had still some substantial uh, amount of walk to to do that day and um and then a guy came along and it, it was in the middle of uh, in the middle of nowhere and he he wanted to give us a lift to Astorga by car and we were like shall we do this or shall we not do this so constantly these 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 challenges or moral challenges like is this cheating now uh, are we supposed to walk all the way <laughs> or, you know we were faced with these burdens from the very beginning and uh, so back to your question uh, spiritual and transformational yes constantly like every <laughs> every day there were these moral dilemmas that we had to had to, you know, uh, deal with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm going to get to that story. We're going to go back to that story because that's a really good story. But about Pablo, right? Yes, that's him. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to tell that story in a minute, or you're going to tell it. But you say in the book there's a point when you need to let go, where you simply need to change, lessen the burden in order to be able to focus on other important things. Let me ask you something, and it might be a difficult question to ask you might find it easy to answer. If someone is listening now, how can they do that? How can they lessen the burden in order to be able to focus on other important things? Wow, I love the question. Great question. How can we? Yes, I guess it's constant decisions, decisions, decisions. And... um, and I, I would say that the more decisions we, we make, the easier it is to see, um, where that point is when, when we just let go or when we tackle it head on. And, um, I guess it's, um, and another part of me was, um, I wasn't a very intuitive person. I was very rational. Um, and, and I'm still learning. Uh, to listen to my uh, to my intuition, it's I guess it's a process for me, and uh, but I think it's with the help of your uh, intuitive self and this constant decision making that will help you to to see what it is that you uh, you need to let go and what are the problems that you need to that you need to face and you can't escape so i can't i can't give a very practical answer but uh, but that's how i feel about this at the moment that's one of the best answers on 90 in 93 episodes of my camino the podcast <laughs> That is absolutely outstanding. What a great answer. You know, you, you talked about Pablo. My next question is, and, and, and I wanted you to explain to us, did you get lost? Yes, we did. <laughs> Tell us the story. Yes, we did. And quite early on, I think it was between, so I'm trying to recall now the locations, but it was somewhere between um, Leon and Astorga, basically. Um, there is a place called Hospital do Brigo or something like yeah, that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And and after that, there are two potential ways to take. One yes. is a more scenic way that is um, 
you know, it's a bit longer, but, uh, but it's scenic and it's beautiful. And then there is the shorter way. It's on, uh, on, on, on the road it's like following the uh, the road and we were like so what shall we do it's quite late we know that but uh but fingers crossed we will find accommodation at the at the next little village so let's just take the scenic route and to be honest we did about we did get lost like there the signs were not very clear at that particular point of the journey so we were wondering yes whether we were on the right path and unfortunately uh, the plan didn't work. So the next little village, they had no more accommodation left. Again, it was quite late. And uh, so we decided to just continue walking. We couldn't do anything else, really. And and again, the signposts were not very clear. And we were in the middle of, um, well, it wasn't forests. It was like plain lands and, and, and it was uh, hills and, um, and, 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 you know, well, not mountains, but hills. And, uh, and when we, we were a bit, uh, wondering really what time we'll be able to reach Astorga and we could see that the sun was coming down. So we were, we were extremely, extremely, um, tired and, pain in every single part of our bodies but we were just continuing continuing and then we were starting to really speed up despite the uh, the pain and um and then some at some point we just hear this car approaching like it's 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 in the hills. It wasn't a road as such, but there was a car coming, you know, across us. And we were like, gosh, who is this guy? Who is this crazy weirdo at this time of day by car here? So the guy stopped and then he was asking where we were heading. And we said, well, we know we are crazy, kind of, but we are going to Astorga. And, uh, and he was like, Astorga, that's still, I don't know how, what he said, but it was still at least like seven or eight kilometers away. It was, oh, no. it was really crazy. And, uh, and we were like, yes, we know we couldn't find any accommodation. And it, it was all in broken Spanish. The guy didn't speak a word in English, but he said he, he understood yes and no. But it was really like broken Spanish. But anyway, he said, guys, jump into this car. I need to take you to Astorga because it's getting really late. And we're like, okay, so that seems to be a sign that we really, <laughs> we really need someone's help now. Uh, but then about two kilometers in, because we had this Fitbit watch, you know, that would monitor how, how many kilometers you have done the day. And uh, so the Fitbit said, uh, we did about two kilometers with, uh, with Pablo. And then he stopped in the middle of the hills and he said, this is my casa. And then we were like, seriously, it was in the middle of the, uh, of nowhere, a tent. And he wanted to show around his place. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. That's very hospitable. But we are not sure, really, if we want to, you know, we were getting a bit worried, of course. Who is this guy? And, um, yeah, so he offered some interesting uh, substances for us to smoke with him, to join him. And we were like, goodness me, I, we really, we really should go. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> again, dilemma, dilemma. What shall we do? We decided to, you know, at that point, there were five to six kilometers left until we would reach Astorga. And then we said to Pablo, listen, thank you very much. But we will need to skip. We will need to do the rest of the journey on our foot, whatever it takes, because it's just too much of a risk for us to, to continue with you. And, you know, so eventually, uh, we reached Astorga. It was 9 p.m. in the, in the evening, like completely dark, of course, by the time we reached the hotel. So yeah, we stayed at the, at a hotel at that point because, and we were lucky to find, to find the hotel room, but we felt it was a well-deserved, well-deserved <laughs> treat for us to, to treat our sore bodies and feet to, to a nice hotel. And yeah, that, like that was another really interesting experience. <laughs> Pablo on the way to Astorga. I love it. And he says he's, he wants to show you around his castle. It's a tent. <laughs> it was, it was, it was three tents like attached to each other. And no. he was very, he was a very happy chat and a very f- funny and really kind guy. But no. who knows? <laughs> no, no, you're not staying in the wilds of Spain with Pablo, who's smoking spliffs and encouraging you to smoke them with him. You know, yes. you talk. In your piece in the book about Paulo Coelho's pilgrimage, where he said, when you travel, you experience in a very practical way a kind of rebirth. What's it like for a half-German, half-Hungarian girl who lives now in Great Britain to go through a rebirth in Spain? (laughs) Wow, yes. Very, very, how can I say? So it was, again, in many ways, it was cultures colliding on yeah. the Camino. Yeah, right. All sorts of people from, from, from all walks of life. So in many ways, it wasn't particularly uh, different to living in London, you know, the, one of the biggest multiculties in the world. So in that sense, um, it was, you know, it was a usual experience. For me, rebirth was more about, well, perhaps another lesson that I learned is that well, I tried to be very, you know, very, well, not controlling. Um, well, there is a control freak in me, as I'm sure in many of us there is. But, but there are certain points when I just need to rely on the help of others, and I need to, I need to ask for help. And so this Pablo was a great example. We needed his help for those two kilometers, <laughs> but they were, they were life saving. And on other occasions um, as well. And many, so many times we were reliant on other people's help, on other, other people's willingness to, to help us. And that's another thing that I learned. It was part of a rebirth or not rebirth. I'm not sure. But, but certainly it was a wake up call for me to learn that I just can't do it all by myself. I really need the help of others at times. And it's nice to help others at the same time. And um, so, yeah, that was another interesting um, 
interesting lesson that I that I learned, I guess. What would you say to somebody listening who is thinking of walking the Camino? Well, the question is why they are thinking of uh, of walking the Camino. I guess, um, well, we didn't have a clear answer to that, but there is certainly, so if, if someone is thinking about it, it, perhaps the Camino is calling, as you said. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so why, why do we encounter this interesting, uh, this interesting way, even without embarking it? Why is it that we start thinking about it a bit more uh, consciously or more seriously? So, yeah, I would certainly, you know, just recommend it. So if anyone is toying with the idea, I think there is a reason why you toy with the idea. And if you start toying with the idea, you should just simply go for it and see it for yourself and experience what it, what it gives you. Um, yeah. <laughs> How do you explain it to family and friends? Oh, yeah, that was, that was interesting. Um, so our families, they are not particularly spiritual in any sense of the way. They are not uh, religious and they are not spiritual either. I guess um, it was a really surprising uh, move uh, from us uh, to do this in their, in their eyes. They were really surprised and they, they couldn't really get why we would do such a thing but um but then after you know they were following our journey we were sending them them pictures along the way and they become very like supportive and there were points where we thought gosh we may not be able to reach Santiago at all because we are we were getting really tired and then they were you know, sending supportive messages to say, just go on guys. Now you reach this point. He, I'm sure you would, you would be able to, to reach Santiago. Just go for it. So it's interesting how they got involved in it and they really enjoyed it somehow with us. You know, we were not in constant touch with them, but, uh, you know, every other day or every, three days we were trying to send them just messages hey we are now you know in this particular town or city they were following us on google maps so you know they became supportive and they really enjoyed it with us somehow and that's a wonderful thing to share with people back home i think too um social media is fantastic for that because uh the Pilgrim community is so strong worldwide. We can follow many people's Caminos and you can watch them and say, Oh, I stayed there. I walked there. I know exactly where they are. I know what's a great place to be. It's, it's a really nice way to stay connected. But I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you just a couple more questions. You're a linguist. You're a, you're a language expert and you say learning a new language promotes understanding between people and businesses and countries and cultures it bridges gaps and enables to build meaningful connections should pilgrims learn spanish before they go oh wow um great question so what we experienced is 
that it certainly helps. <laughs> it certainly helps if you learn Spanish. Yeah. At, at times, even I, as a linguist, even I was really um, challenged, you know, that and annoyed at times because I would expect, you know, Cam the Camino is like um, is a point where people from all around the world would meet, would uh, would need accommodation, would need uh, food to be served, and um, and I was constantly surprised how how little uh, the locals. Uh, spoke English or German or, you know, any other languages. In fact, it was mainly Spanish. And I, there were times, especially when we were really tired, but it just was so annoying. Like, how come that these guys meet people from everywhere and yet they don't speak a word <laughs> in a, in another language other than Spanish? And, um, but I guess it's part of the experience and, and that's something that makes it very authentic, despite the Camino being very industrialized now. Uh, I think that's one of the points where you can really see, uh, real Spanish, Galician, um, you know, people being their authentic selves and just providing accommodations the way they do, serving the food they prefer it to be served as opposed to how we pilgrims would expect it. So, again, it was challenging, but it was challenging me in a good way. And uh, so should you learn Spanish, I think if you really want to to experience the Camino in a more authentic way, then perhaps you should. It's enough to learn just a few vital basics like, uh, you know, uh, is there a room or is there a bed for one person or two people? Um, like, uh, and clearly ordering food. I guess you learn it along the way anyway but but i found that it that it does help that it does help to make the right connection and also by speaking of the locals it sends out the right message doesn't it like that you know they are important to you you want to understand them you want to understand their culture their language um, I think it's just, yeah, like to, to see what the culture is all about, there is an element to it where, where language comes into play and you really kind of understand what it's all about. If you speak just some vital basics, you don't need to be fluent. I'm not fluent myself, but, uh, and I, I didn't really learn Spanish. It's just as a linguist for me, it, for me, it's easier to, to pick up. And I've got some very good friends in Spain who I managed to learn a lot from, but, uh, but I guess it helps. What's your take on this, Dan? Well, uh, that's interesting. You should ask me, Gabriella, because I think that it shows that you are trying. And as a pilgrim, I think you are a carer and a sharer, and you should be somebody who is grateful for the opportunity to be experiencing the Spanish culture the French culture. I walked for, for, for a week in France as well. And, and I, I was walking to a small town in 2016 
uh, and I decided I would learn how to ask, do you have a bed for the night, please? So it was, uno karma parapatha el noche por favor. So I, I went to the albergue in San Martin del Camino, and I said, I walked in, <clears throat> very feeling very proud of myself, uh, uh, una karma parapatha el noche por favor. And the woman went, ha, ha, that's the worst <laughs> Spanish I've ever heard. But she said, thank you for trying, and thank you for taking the time to learn it so that you could communicate with me. And she gave me a big hug and we laughed and laughed and laughed. Well, she wouldn't let me then for the rest of that was like lunchtime, right? She wouldn't let me order dinner or order a beer or sit outside. I had to speak Spanish the whole time. So she would say to me, no, no, Dan, 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 stop, stop. Google it on your phone, Google it on your phone and speak in Spanish. There's all these Spanish people. They thought it was the funniest thing ever. Dan, 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 read some more Spanish on your phone. But at least I was trying. At least I was trying. Yeah, yeah. They they, they really appreciate it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Nelson Mandela has this uh, saying that if you talk to a man in a language he understands, you talk to his head. But if you talk to him in his own language, you talk to his heart. And that's actually what's, what we are doing. You know, we are extending a hand. We show appreciation and we show, you know, that we are grateful for them allowing us to be, uh, to, to stay there, to be with them and to be involved. And I think it's a wonderful experience, yes. Let me ask you a question way out of left field. You're a pilgrim now. If you could whisper something into the ear of 21-year-old Gabriella, what would you say? Oh, wow. What would I say? I would probably just say that um, appreciate the little things and, um, and keep your eyes wide open. Be open-minded. I guess that, that's my key. Be open-minded. What about if you could whisper something to a 75-year-old Gabriella? Uh, what would I say to my old self? I would just say that I hope you've had a great time until now and just keep going. You know, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, Gabriella. It's been a great pleasure. And I hope you find what you're looking for somewhere along the way. I suspect the Hungarian German living in Great Britain who has forged for herself a great future, whether it's a little bit of pilgrim in there as well. I have a sneaking suspicion that you're going to do very, very, very well. Thank you so much for your time. It's in the morning in London. You've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. It was a really great experience. And, uh, and I can't wait to listen back to it and keep thinking about all these wonderful <laughs> questions you made. You made me think. <laughs> Buen Camino. Thank you. Buen Camino. My guest this week, Gabriella Frenzi, and you can find her and her work at GabriellaFrenzi.com. 
F-E-R-E-N-C-Z-I. She's amazing. It's all there, GabriellaForenzi.com. I'm Dan Mullins. I hope you enjoyed this week's chat. This is a weekly podcast about the Camino de Santiago. We're all pilgrims in life. One day your life will flash before your eyes. Make sure it's worth watching. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Buen Camino.